This is Conquering Columbus. Hey everybody, Andy here to give you a quick preview on this week's episode. On this interview, Josh and Mike were talking with Chris and Laura Cook from Positive Foundry, and there was a ton of great content in this one. Early on, Laura talked about how Chris and Laura ended up starting a business together despite being husband and wife, and how Chris pushed Laura to bring her idea to life. So interestingly, we went to undergrad together and studied a lot together because we were both in business. Both of us sort of have this belief that we always wanted to sort of blur the lines between work and play. When you don't really know what you're doing. It's a great quote by Chateaubriand. I think we kind of always knew we wanted to do something together. The fact that it became Positive Foundry was not planned. When we were starting the business, and actually when the business was just an idea way back when, there was a point where I'm sort of dreaming about this business and talking to him about it and having lots of conversations about what it could be. And at one point he came down in, in the morning and he said, you know, I'm just going to tell you, if you're not going to do it, I am. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> I guess I better do this. Later, Chris spoke on how they work with clients to ensure the people that are receiving the training actually absorb and use the skills they are learning. Because we have have some, we're teaching 12 skills and we're doing it over time. So it's not like we're saying you have to go through this boot camp and you got to learn all this stuff right now because it just doesn't work, right? People can't process stuff. So we're dribbling it out over time. So it's a weekly program that you're learning one concept that's super simple and easy to understand. We're giving you a few different ways to practice it. So that the ultimate goal is how do you integrate things into your life that make your life better? Towards the end of the show, Josh asked Delora about how you can really discover your own purpose and what you should be doing. But essentially, discovering your purpose is really like discovering who you are. I think the way we think about purpose, it is the alignment of what you love, so all of your passion, what you're good at, which is going to be hard for you because you have a lot of strengths. So you got to like pare down, like which ones are you really, really, really good at? I got plenty of weaknesses. Growth mindset doesn't focus on those, Josh. <laughs> and then what does the world need? How do those play out in a way that you can give back to the world that's, in, that's meaningful to you? Like I said before, this conversation is full of great content. And I know Mike and Josh really learned a ton from Chris and Laura during the interview. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. This is your co-host, Mike, here. And as usual, we got Josh in the booth. He's dressed up today. Josh, what's going on? Not much. I just dressed up for our guests. I wanted them to know that we are professional and that we take this very seriously. My mic was too hot there. You had to turn me down. Yeah, I had to turn you down. I don't know if the mic was too hot or if it was just because you were trying to chew on it. I was well, I was trying to do both those things. Um, but yeah, I dressed up for you guys. So I'm, I'm here and I'm ready to rock and roll. Yeah. Good, good. Looking good. Yeah, okay, there you go. And you, you're here to sneak peek at our guests today. But uh, today on the show joining us, we have Chris and Laura Cook from Positive Foundry. And Positive Foundry provides training and consulting services to help people and businesses thrive. And I was lucky enough to have a chance to see Chris and Laura in action earlier this year. And after leaving that session, I knew I had to have them on the show. I had a ton of fun, and I thought it was a fantastic session. So I actually still, to this day, this is not even in the intro, so Andy, cut this if it all sounds crazy. But... I still, to this day, will say, be the dog, which is a reference to something that came up in that conversation. <laughs> but uh, prior to founding Positive Foundry, Chris and Laura both had highly successful careers in their own right. Laura got an MBA from Michigan's Ross School of Business and has held numerous leadership positions at different companies throughout her career. And Chris has led teams as an entrepreneur and business leader in the technology sector. So we're excited to have them both on today to talk more about Positive Foundry, get some great insights from what they've learned building the company and throughout their careers and a whole lot more. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, both of you. Thank you. It's great to be here. So good to be here. Yeah. Thank you both. First place we like to start is just 
Could you give us a little background on yourself, kind of your story, just real quick highlights and uh, who you are? So maybe we'll start with Laura. Sure. Born and raised in Columbus. Uh, went to Wittenberg University for undergrad, which is where I met Chris at age 19. The rest is history. Lucky to live here. I spent a couple of years away and came back and um, live within about five miles of both my brother, sister, and parents. So Columbus is just home and a great place to be. And we have four kids here, right? We do. Four daughters. We do. Uh, I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, so I always get choked up um, when they sing my old Kentucky home with the Kentucky Derby. I spent high school in New England and then made my way back to Ohio where I went to school at Wittenberg University mm -hmm. playing soccer <laughs> and, and rugby and then met this amazing woman right next to me. So followed her to Columbus and started out in the technology field in 1994 for a company called Check Free. Nice. Soccer and rugby. You just went full British, huh? I mean, <laughs> I, I, something like that. I played soccer for two years, blew out my ankle, had reconstructive surgery, and then someone's like, hey, you can kick a ball, right? And I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, well, you should come play rugby. I was like, oh, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> that seems like a great way to work off an injury. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, it's the only sport I know where you, after the game, you go party with the team you just played so it's a that's a yeah. beautiful sport did you, did you go to new england what was there any reason that you went off to high school and shipped away yeah pretty much that was pretty much this, i had two choices to go to high school i had a choice to go to boarding school or i can go to this high school downtown in louisville kentucky which i did not want to go to mm -hmm. so the choice was pretty quick and easy and uh so i went to this co-ed uh, boarding school up in new england just outside of boston and uh at the age of 14 left home pretty much and, yeah but it was amazing and and so like because Mike and I know Laura fairly well, understand the background and the family dynamics. Did you grow up in an entrepreneurial family as well or no? I, a little bit. My dad was a uh, Chevy dealer in Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, so I was in the car, you know, we were, our family was in the car business uh, ever since, you know, three generations. And um, so, yeah, a little bit. My dad was in YPO. And uh, so, in fact, Laura and I ended up on a trip together where we didn't actually, we didn't never met each other, but we were on the same trip, YPO trip in Bermuda one year. Mm -hmm. We discovered it when we were uh, when we were married. That's funny. Oh, yeah. so this was before even nineteen years old. Oh yeah. yeah, before we were thirteen, and we were in the same nightclub. Like, didn't even know each other. Knew people that we both met, but never met each other. That's wild. It Talk about crazy. the universe coming together. Huh? It's yeah. kind of crazy. Um, yeah. Okay. The other thing that I was just realizing as we're going through this, because Josh mentioned that we know Laura. Laura's the daughter of Jeff Wilkins, and Jeff has happened to have been on the podcast. So I think you are the first father-daughter combo for the first ah, parental combo to have ever been on Conquering Columbus in 341 episodes. So oh, that's pretty, awesome. pretty awesome. impressive. When your daughters get old, we'll bring them back on. <laughs> yeah, three exactly. generations. Full ah. three generations. That'd be and fun. And we've but, got one at okay. Ross right now, so she'll be, she'll be there. There you go. But <laughs> yeah. okay, we're getting off topic here. Let's get this pulled <laughs> back. No, no, it's uh, enjoying the conversation. So we'll probably get off topic a lot today. But obviously we could dig into both your backgrounds, talk about a whole bunch of stuff, but we're here to talk about Positive Foundry. And the first thing that I'm curious about is you guys get done through your careers. You're both very successful. You're like, you know what we haven't done? We haven't worked together on a business, right? And I got to imagine now knowing to you, it's like, okay, yeah, that just makes sense. It's going to work. But what made you want to do that? What made you want to get together and say, let's work on something together? And was there any like, hey, is this going to be okay? <laughs> <laughs> Does that question happen every day or every other day, Chris? No, I'm just right, kidding. Right, right, I'm just yeah, kidding. Yeah, exactly. um, so interestingly, we went to undergrad together and mm -hmm. studied a lot together because we were both in business. The other thing I'll tell you is that both of us sort of have this belief that we always wanted to sort of blur the lines between work and play. Mm -hmm. When you don't really know what you're doing, it's a great quote by Chateaubriand. And so... For us, it's, it's um, I think we kind of always knew we wanted to do something together. Mm -hmm. 
the fact that it became Positive Foundry was not planned. In fact, when we were starting the business, and actually when the business was just an idea way back when, there was a point where I'm not a big risk taker, and he is. He loves risk. I don't. But we're, I'm sort of dreaming about this business and talking to him about it and having lots of conversations about what it could be. And at one point, he came down in, in the morning and he said, you know, I'm just going to tell you, if you're not going to do it, I am. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I guess I better do this. <laughs> So um, as part of the journey, though, an interesting story was that we both did quit, quit our jobs on the exact same day and neither of us knew it. So we were kind of contemplating. I was contemplating leaving the Wellington School and he was contemplating leaving his job. And I leaned over to him in a choir concert when our daughter was on stage and said, hey, Chris, today was the day I finally said I'm leaving. And he looked over at me and he said, I quit my job, too. Awkward. <laughs> we, didn't no, talk, right. we didn't talk to the rest of the night. <laughs> that's, that's so wild, though, that you guys are like such in sync on, on odd things like that. Yeah. And so leading up to that point in your career is like if you look back on what your skill sets were and where you were professionally, like how would you both reflect on that moment and, and even kind of tying that back into the idea of the business and why your skill set was, was right to create Positive Foundry? So well, I guess I'll just tell you the story about how, so essentially I was the assistant head at the Wellington School and I was having a variety of health issues and, and they were really all stress related. And so as part of the journey, my dad handed me the book Flourish by Martin Seligman. And Martin Seligman is the founder of positive psychology. Mm -hmm. The whole field is younger than the internet, right? It's yep. 1998 when he decides to that research dollars should mm -hmm. start to go towards what does it mean to thrive, not just diagnosing mental illness. So I read this book Flourish, and one of the chapters is about positive education. So positive Psychology was created by the American Psychological Association in America. Australia taps Martin Seligman and says, we need this for our schools and created the field of positive education mm -hmm. basically in Australia. So I'm reading the book and there's a chapter about the Geelong Grammar School. And so I'm like, I got to go. So I go over to Australia. I'm one of the first Americans over there to learn about positive education. In fact, they thought I was from Wellington, New Zealand, because my name tag said Wellington. But when I came back from that experience, my daughter that night had said to me, hey, mom, did you know that kids my age kill themselves? And I'm coming back from learning all about how in Australia they pair teachers and students based on strengths and it's all about this positive curriculum. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, we had the suicide prevention workshop at school today and I need to be aware of the kids that might be showing signs that they would kill themselves. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is it. This is it. This is the calling. This is the reason. Like there's all of this knowledge and research out there that's not reaching our everyday population. Like my first question was, I think it's wonderful that we have these interventions and that we're raising more awareness about mental illness and all of that's really important. But where is the dare to dream workshop that they're offering at school to come up with the hundred reasons why we want to live or what do we want to do in this world while we're here? Like, mm -hmm. how are we supplementing that kind of education? So then I, we we went down this journey, uh, sort of thinking about, okay, how do we do this? I went to a couple of people and said, I think we should do this and eventually decided that we needed to start with corporations because mm -hmm. corporations have money to spend on training. Sure. 
And that hopefully through starting our work with corporations, eventually we will be able to give this curriculum away to schools. Mm -hmm. So really the whole idea is to create generational change. So not just you and me, but our kids and our kids' kids. So that really these skills that are out there, I mean, the research and knowledge backs it up Mm -hmm. that we can just spread that and reach more people and over time really change the trajectory of well-being. So good. Long story to how we got (laughs) to where we were, but essentially we'd been mulling over this idea. And then we said, okay, when are we going to do this? And there's never a good time. I mean, there's just never a good time, right? It's just, just let's go. And I think for me, I've always been sort of the self-development junkie and love just helping people. Mm -hmm. And so I've spent, I've spent my career in, you know, working with some incredible technology companies um, and experienced a lot of great, amazing cultures and experienced the dot-com bust and the boom and eventually found myself traveling on an airplane. So I was on an airplane like almost every other week on both coasts. One day my daughter says to me, she goes, dad, do you live on an airplane? And I was like, oh my God, I'm actually this, I am burned out. Mm-hmm. But I, that's like, I, I realized I had, I'm experiencing corporate burnout. That's what it was. And uh, so I think that was what, what triggered it for me is like, mm-hmm. I've got to get out of this. And yeah. so uh, I left uh, technology and joined a technology firm here in Columbus and experienced the exact opposite, which was a very toxic culture. And I was like, oh my God. So uh, through some uh, amazing discovery and just resetting, like what is it that I'm meant to be doing in this world? Working, I uh, like to shout out to Built a Lead. So those guys really helped me. Yeah. Figure out like, oh, this we is. We had Chet on too. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. So, they're so great. Chet and the whole that organization. whole gang. Is awesome. They're amazing. So they really helped me see like, okay, this is why I'm here. And how do mm-hmm. I go and, and do that? What do I need to be doing every single day? And so that was kind of like what led me on to this sort of almost like there's this imperative for yeah. corporate America to teach their employees skills that mm-hmm. allow them to show up better in life. Sure. And if we show up better in life, we're going to show up better, you know, at work and with our colleagues. And so, um, I kind of, that's, yeah. that's what I've, and how I, I ended up doing this. I just would add that like our skills are very complementary in terms mm-hmm. of what we do. What, I mean, so my passion is really on the learning side and the curriculum side and figuring out how to bring these topics to life. His is really on the technology side, which has been really important in figuring out how do we deliver this to our clients, as well as the sales, you know, his Mm -hmm. backgrounds in sales, mine's more in leadership. So anyway, it's worked out really, really well. Yeah, you can tell. You can tell. And it's funny, you know, you mentioned Chet and you might say you found your opus, Uh uh, as Chet would say. So Chet, for those of you who haven't seen the episode with Chet, but he came on and talked to the wrestling team at Ohio State for a bit about uh, some leadership stuff. And I always remember him talking a lot about Seligman's book, Learned Optimism. And the story that always sticks with me from that book is uh, the story of the Olympic swimmers getting in and they shoot the gun, but they start the clock a second before they shoot the gun and see what they say when they get to the other side. They're seconds slower than normal. And they talk about how the top swimmers, the best ones, you know, when they went up and said, oh, you were seconds slow, they always said, well, I guess I'll just have to be better next time. But the other swimmers always made excuses. Well, I didn't get it. Like, I didn't eat right this morning. Something like excuse, excuse, excuse. Right. And that always stuck with me. But I talk a lot about that with our teams today. And it's absolutely true. Right. Like a lot of people aren't taught those things throughout their lives. They're not given that that perspective of how to approach difficult situations and positive leadership. And I think that's a really important part of being a good leader for a team is, hey, yeah, there's sales, there's things like business stuff that you have to do. But 
passing on that mindset leadership and some of those things is really important. Um, but I'm almost curious, too, how, how would you guys, and maybe, maybe you can't in a very simple way or concise way, but like how would you box positive psychology and kind of the thesis behind positive foundry? I mean, you, I know you mentioned that, you know, the idea of teaching these uh, more positive psychological concepts over mm-hmm. that were happening in, you said Australia or New Zealand? Australia. Australia. Okay, over in Australia and then opening those up to the world. But how would you kind of put that into a, a like a, a ribbon and, and package it up? Yeah. So the framework is essentially that in order to flourish, according to positive psychology, we need to have PERMA-V in our life. And PERMA-V stands for positive emotions. Mm-hmm. We, it's not that we don't want to have negative emotions. It's that we need some positive emotions in order to really be thriving. We need to be engaged in what we're doing, ideally having those moments of flow where we lose track of time because we're so engaged in what we're doing. We need to have relationships. That's the R, strong, positive, meaningful relationships. We need to have a sense of purpose or meaning, like why are we here? What are we meant to do while we're here? That's the M. And A stands for accomplishment. So we need to have a sense of um, success in life. And then ultimately, some people have added the word V, vitality. We need our health, right? You can't really be thriving if we're not also eating, moving, sleeping well, right? Taking care of ourselves. So essentially, that's the positive psychology framework. And what we've done at Positive Foundry is said, okay, so we need positive emotions. That's great. How do we get them? So we have a set of 12 skills that we teach that enable you to learn and practice things that in your life that will bring you positive emotions, that will bring you engagement, that will help you build, I think you were part of the relationships module. And so we have a set of 12 skills that really translate that PERMA-V with all of the research to back it up um, into practices, tools, techniques that we can use in our everyday life. Hey, everybody. Mike here. We're going to take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors, One Columbus. And we are very excited to partner with One Columbus. They really, really share the same vision as us here at the Conquering Columbus podcast, which is really building up the Columbus region to be one of the most prosperous regions in the United States. And One Columbus serves as the business location resource for companies across central Ohio and around the world as those companies grow, innovate, and compete within the global economy. And they help us lead a regional growth strategy that develops and attracts the world's most competitive companies, grows a highly adaptive workforce, and prepares our communities for the future, inspiring innovation across the board. Their mission really is just ensuring the Columbus region is a vibrant place to build businesses and careers. So again, we really appreciate all of their support. You want to learn more about them, go check out their website, columbusregion.com. That's columbusregion.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be right back into the episode. And so you guys come up with all of that into a package and you say, you know, how are we going to deploy it? Did you want to turn it into a consulting practice? Did you have the full vision from day one or did it grow over time? So originally our thought was, okay, we're going to deliver live workshops, right? Mm -hmm. Training company will deliver live workshops. Although there was always part of us that were sort of wondering, okay, well, how do we get the leverage? You know, Jeff Wilkins talks a lot about leverage, right? Mm -hmm. How are we going to get the leverage from that? Because it's one person delivering a workshop. So there was always in the back of our mind, how can we, how can we do it a little bit differently? But our very first client, I don't know if you've talked to Jeff Edwards, who runs installed building products here in Columbus, amazing leader. Um, He was actually one of our first clients. And when we went to him and said, we want to roll this out, we want to talk to your management team, teach them the skills to flourish. His response back was, well, I think it's great you're doing this, but my managers get oftentimes opportunities for training. 
why doesn't the guy that's installing the insulation in the house that works for me, one of the 10,000 employees there, why doesn't he get to learn how to flourish? Mm -hmm. And can you find a way to deliver this curriculum to him? Mm -hmm. And so through our first client, I went, we did 30 focus groups. We just to even understand sort of a different population mm -hmm. um, and uh, both Spanish and English speakers trying to understand, like, does this resonate? Is this something that they would want to learn about? And the resounding response was absolutely. So we translated our program into 40 videos. So we have a set of videos that we can deploy for mm -hmm. teams. And so really the sort of translation and, and where we've come. And then from that video program, we had one of our clients uh, say, what do we do when the video program ends? We don't mm. want to stop our meeting every week where we watch this five minute video and have a conversation. What do we do next? So we also have sort of a monthly program that follows after that. So the year after you go through the teams program, you can just have gratitude month. And there's a couple reminders for the mm -hmm. month that help everybody on the team sort of revisit that skill of gratitude. So it's really evolved through mostly our clients who yeah. are who've really given us the ideas and also the opportunities to develop and build out the program. What was the biggest challenge throughout all that? Like that early, especially those early stage, right? Like that first client getting, building this huge program out, like what was the biggest challenge for you two? I mean, there were so many, mm -hmm. uh, like uh, you, you wear, as a entrepreneur, you wear so many different hats. And so the challenge is you're wearing lots of hats and you're not always good at, at all the hats that sure. you have to wear. So I think that is one of the challenges. But I think also another challenge is, is like, how do we create something that's really engaging, mm -hmm. that it's at the right level so that then you can get people talking about it? Because the real magic is, yes, we were going to create a, a well-produced short video that's engaging that teaches one concept. Mm -hmm. But the magic is, how do you create dialogue questions that a leader or a facilitator can use that to then spark the dialogue with their teams where people can be more human with each other and they can see each other like, oh my gosh, you're dealing with that, I'm dealing with that, like we have common ground. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's sort of been the, it's been also the hardest thing, but it's also been sort of the magic formula that we've sort of stumbled upon a little bit, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and I think we've had a lot of like panic moments, COVID of course being one of them, right? Mm -hmm. You're a startup and all of a sudden it's like, I think I had seven trips planned, you know, right. in after March and it a was like- A startup focused on in-person uh -huh. group sessions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Luckily, we had already done a lot of Zoom workshops and so it just gave us the opportunity to get really good at Zoom. And what's amazing about Zoom and even the hybrid environment with training is we do, I mean, the way we train is we talk for 10 minutes and then you're doing something, right? Sure. You're having a conversation. You're you're engaging with the material somehow. So with the Zoom rooms, we pop them in, we pop people into rooms and they didn't pick who they talked to. So that's a brilliant thing in a corporation to build culture, to create opportunities for dialogue with people that would have not chosen to walk up and have mm -hmm. a conversation with each other. So there was a little bit of magic that came as a result of the challenge, but um, yeah, that was certainly, certainly a challenge. You know, hopefully I'm not misremembering here, but because I think we had two sessions on similar things in that, but I remember having to go and talk to some, some people that I don't normally talk to. And one of them was like, share your biggest fears or like some really serious questions that you wouldn't talk much about with people. And I remember, in fact, I was talking to Jess from our team and we just went full on like the, the toughest questions. Red you guys questions. with the red questions. Yeah, we went all the way to red and I'm like, red okay, hat. we're going red hat. Yeah. And, and I remember that session and I still remember talking to Jess about it. I mean, that, that type of stuff does absolutely work. 
and I enjoyed the session a lot. I mean, the thing about the dog that I mentioned earlier, I've got to talk about that from that session because it was so much fun. It, it really struck me. And it was a picture of a man and a dog walking in a forest, right? And the man, it had thought bubbles all around and he had emails and computer and calls and work and all this stuff on his mind. And then it showed the dog and the dog's little thought bubble just was another picture of the forest that they're walking through. And that image has stuck with me to this day. I still think about it. I go, be the dog, be the dog. Don't, I, especially when I'm at home and I'm trying to relax and I'm with my wife or with my family, I go, be the dog. And that stuck with me. So yeah, good. So did powerful. you put that on your commitment card? Yes. Did, did you really? I did. <laughs> yeah. I, love I it. did. I said, be the dog. Be and the I also dog. said, so the other thing that I remember putting on my commitment card was put the phone down when you get home. So I put the phone on my, uh, and I, I have fallen off on that. So I need to put the phone back on the, uh, the bedside table when I get home more often. But, but that was, uh, that was the other thing I wrote on that commitment card. That That's dog so is cool. way smarter than my dog. My dog is not. <laughs> so everything but the forest on his mind. Yeah. Ezra's a little stressed. Ezra, yeah. Ezra's a little yeah, she's stressed. more stressed than I am. Like, yeah. you don't even have a job. Yeah. <laughs> we have one of those dogs. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but back to Mike's point, too, like when I think about the idea of building something that you guys have put together and putting all this content and all that, like, I don't know if it's the, the perfectionist side of me or what, but I just, I get so overwhelmed by trying to get that and package it in the right way. And then, I tend to, my brain tend, tries to take complexity and just make it as simple as possible. And so like my course would be three words. I would say, just try harder or something. You know, it's like, <laughs> so I'm curious as you look at organizations and you look at people inside, how do I know as a company leader or as an individual that this is the the right approach for me and that I need this? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming anybody and everybody could benefit in some aspect, right? But I'm assuming there's more high value prospects too. And so as you look at corporations and unpack that, how do you find good fit candidates? So what's amazing is that each human is completely unique. So what you need is different from what I need, is different from what Chris needs. And so really the way we have structured what we do is we provide lots of different approaches to the topic. So it is our hope that every person that participates walks away with something that hit them, something, and as you kind of gave in your your. Uh, your example, it's like, they're not super complex things, but for each of us, it's different. So understanding. And so essentially we give lots of different ideas all surrounded around the research and a theme that we know is good for our well-being. And then we give people a chance to sort of pick and choose what resonated with them, have a dialogue with someone, what resonated with you, and then walk away with maybe one or two things that you want to think about doing differently. Because what's amazing about well-being is it doesn't take, like, we're not asking people go spend an hour. I'm, I'm saying, like, find something you can do in three or four minutes. But what's amazing is that we don't spend the time. We don't take the three or four minutes. Um, we don't try to remember the little thing, but the little things are what make up the big things, right? Yep. It's like, it's, it's always, it's just like mindfulness. You know, you think I don't have time for mindfulness. Mm -hmm. Well, when you don't have time for mindfulness, it's, you don't have not have time for mindfulness. You take your 10 minutes of breathing. You're going to be so much more effective in what you're doing during that day and so much more productive. And it took you 10 minutes. Yep. And you're going to show up differently. For other people. Yeah. I think what's also interesting is that because we have some, we're teaching 12 skills and we're doing it over time. So it's not like we're saying you have to go through this boot camp and you got to learn all this stuff right now because it just doesn't work, right? People can't process stuff. So we're dribbling it out over time. So it's a weekly program that you're learning one concept that's super simple and easy to understand. We're giving you a few different ways to practice it 
so that the ultimate goal is how do you integrate things into your life that make your life better mm -hmm. and make your relationships better and give you more emotional, you know, agility, all of those things, right? So mm -hmm. it's just like making it simple, dribbling it out, and then giving it, giving people some time to practice it. Yeah, there unfortunately there isn't a recipe, there isn't yeah. a prescription that's that I could say this is exactly what you need, right? Mm -hmm. We have to try things, see what we like, see what will repeat, because it's really about the repetition and the practice. Mm -hmm. And for each of us, it's going to be different. So it's about giving people lots of different options and hopefully reaching them where they are. Do you worry at all about it turning into kind of a check the box exercise inside of organizations or the long term sustainability and accountability inside of an individual? It's kind of like me who wrote some things on a card and came back and I, now a few months later, I'm forgetting. Yeah. I mean, I love this question so much <laughs> because... <laughs> There's lots of box checkers out there, particularly, you know, companies are saying, well, we've got to be doing well-being. Like, what does that mean? And, right. and so, uh, yeah, sure, we'll work with box checkers. If they want to write us a check for a million bucks, that's great. That'd be awesome. <laughs> uh, so any of those box checkers out there that have a million dollars, please see me after the show. Um, no, we're really selective of who we work with. We want to find companies where the leaders believe in this. They believe that their people are their most important asset. They believe that they want to create a culture of well-being because we know that leads to sustainable and meaningful, you know, business performance and people who care about each other. When you, when you do a program like this, you know, people leave like, oh, my God, my company cares about me because they want me to show up better with my family and my friends. Mm -hmm. Like that's almost like the bottom line. But what they know secretly, like if they learn these skills and practice these skills, they're going to show up differently at work with the teams. They're going to collaborate better. They're going to be more productive. They're going to be more engaged, all those things. So I think box checkers, yes. Uh, there's lots of people out there box checking, but the authentic leaders who are really focused on creating a community and a culture of well-being and believe in that, really truly believe in that. Those are the those are the leaders that we've seemed to attract and uh, want to work with. Was it hard to find those type of clients in the beginning? We have been so incredibly lucky. Like we are the startup, I don't know, Cinderella story in that we, until about um, six weeks ago, didn't look for a client. So literally it was people who had heard about us or had had heard from someone who'd been through the program or it was literally just referrals. And also we were small enough that we, you know, wasn't like we had a massive growth, growth plan. We were kind of growing organically. Um, and I think now we're at this exciting place where we're ready to grow. We've got a lot of processes in place, a lot of operations in place. We're going to add some people. So now we're finally sort of looking for those clients. But in the beginning, we, we just got really, really, really lucky. And the other thing we've been really lucky with is we're working with every client that we've that we started with we're still working with. So it's been an amazing journey with some really great people, great leaders, great companies. Yeah, and I think the greatest thing is when you hear I mean every week we get to hear from directly from employees about mm -hmm. the impact that we're having on them. Yeah. Even people who are challenged and having challenges with mental wellness and and depression and anxiety, you hear like these, like you never going to believe that this every week I look forward to the session mm -hmm. and it helped me so much. Uh, and so stories like that, like just, you know, keep you going, keep you going and just fuel us to continue to be, get better. Feel and, that purpose. Yeah. 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 Well, it's like, I really think everybody is struggling with something mm -hmm. and, 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 the, and the relative nature of how extreme it is, is it's like a perspective, right? Or mm -hmm. it is relative. Mm -hmm. And so, and nobody, like we live in a society and I mean, I'm preaching the choir, you guys teach this, right? I'm just talking about how I feel on it, yeah. right? It's like we live in a society where if you you talk about it, it's 
weakness and all these kind of things. And so we kind of crave for people to really know that we spent all this time with like what I've gone through or where I'm from. But mm-hmm. until we get put through a workshop like that, we never get the opportunity to really step out and say like, here's who I really am. Here's maybe why I have these bad tendencies or, you know, right. maybe, uh, and then we can interact at a deeper level. So I, I think the idea of bringing this into the environment that mm-hmm. you work professionally is such an incredible exercise. Yeah. It goes back to that mindfulness concept, right? Knowing who you are, knowing like why you do certain things, being mindful of that stuff. But that actually brings me to a topic. I want to put you both on the spot. What's a couple of concepts that our listeners that you guys work with a lot, right? That our listeners could take away and say, yeah, this makes sense. Like a couple of concepts that you think a lot of people really would get a lot of value of from your content. I'm curious. Now you don't have to give away the whole show, right? But I'm curious, anything, anything in particular that stands out to both of you? I mean, I guess I would just say like in my dream world, Mm -hmm. you would start every meeting with a few deep breaths with Mm -hmm. an acknowledgement that everyone's stressed and that we need to take a moment to de-stress before we try to hit a new topic that we'd spend every day practicing a little bit of gratitude taking a moment to try to look for the positive because when we look for the positive, we're going to see more positive. And if we look for the negative, that's what we're going to see. So finding a way to practice gratitude on a regular basis, remembering that people are the most important thing in the world. And when you're with them, really listening, getting rid of the distractions, paying attention to them, the whole idea of vulnerability, like you were mentioning, like it's just the key to relationships, right? Like you, you can't build Brene Brown is a genius. You can't build a relationship unless you make yourself vulnerable. Mm -hmm. You just don't, you just can't. And so why are we all protecting ourselves all day long? Why don't we show up more authentically who we are? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just so many, but there's not one that I would say is more important than another because I mean, and the other thing I would just say is really spending time to think about what is your purpose? Like, why are you, why do you do this podcast? Why do you show up to do this podcast? And put your whole heart into it mm-hmm. and then live your life on purpose, making choices that all line up with where we want to go and what we want to do in this world while we're here and say no to the stuff that doesn't fit. Um, you know, just be authentically you. If we all did that, the world would be a better place. I think it's hard. It's, it's hard. And I think that's why part of the reason why I do this work, because it's like I got to continuously be reminded of mm-hmm. that I need to be practicing these skills. But I think for me, mindfulness has been a big one for me is mm-hmm. that you know, just learning that that we can begin again at any moment and catch ourselves and also be aware of like, okay, I'm feeling really anxious right now. Why am I feeling that? Okay, it's okay for me to feel that, number mm-hmm. one. Number two, it's going to go away. I'm not going to feel anxious the whole day or whatever, right? But being just being mindful, knowing that that's a, sort of the wave, let's ride that wave and, and we're going to be okay. So that's a big one. And just having a growth mindset, like, okay, we haven't learned everything. We're not perfect. We're always continuing to get better. Mm-hmm. And so just that growth mindset, it's like that's foundational to everything that we do is mm-hmm. you have to start with the mindset of that we can continue to learn and grow. We're not fixed. Yeah. And uh, sometimes we we feel like we are and you got to catch yourself. Yeah. Or we feel like other people are. Mm-hmm. So we can quickly find ourselves thinking that other people are set exactly the way they are. But right. everyone is chur- learning, growing, changing all the time. Have either of you found, whether it's in the curriculum or just from personal experience of of evolving and putting together the curriculum on how to understand your purpose and your, and your meaning at a deeper level? I mean, like I, I struggle with that. So I get caught up way too, you know, in external pieces and chasing things. And I'm not, you know, like, I think I've really struggled to understand a deep level. Why, why am I doing what I'm doing? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, 
I'd, I'd love to. See, we, we just need to have lunch. Okay, <laughs> let's do that. Let's have lunch. Yeah, this, is, um, this is a long conversation. But I, think. I but I would say that, and I I really think Built to Lead that the Built to Lead book is a really cool way because from a self discovery standpoint, the way they unpack that. But essentially, discovering your purpose is really like discovering who you are. And I think the way we think about purpose, it is the alignment of what you love, so all of your passion, what you're good at, which is going to be hard for you because you have a lot of strengths. So you got to like pare down, like which ones are you really, really, really good at? I got plenty of weaknesses. Uh, <laughs> so your, your Growth path. mindset doesn't focus on those, Josh. <laughs> and then what does the world need? Like, you know, do, how do those those play out in a way that you can give back to the world that's in, that's meaningful to you? And so it's challenging because it takes a long time, I think, to really know yourself and like understand what it is that you believe. It's funny that the built to lead process, you know, you write down these statements like I believe and I will and I love. And when I get tweaked about something, um, which is interesting because I get tweaked and I'm like, why am I tweaked? And then you kind of dig in. You're like, oh, I'm tweaked because I, th- I believe this. Mm-hmm. And they don't believe that. And so it's tweaking my like belief about something. Uh, recently, it was that um, someone didn't go to a funeral. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe they didn't go to the funeral. Like Then I'm like, wait, why am I tweaked about them not going to the funeral? And it was because I really believe that we should, in life, we should celebrate the living and we should celebrate the the dying or the dead. Like I, in my fundamental beliefs, that's what I believe. But so like discovering your purpose is like unpacking all of those sort of nuggets of like, who are we? Mm-hmm. So that we can then take who we are and impact the world in a really positive way. I think it's hard also the purpose, figuring out what your purpose is right now. Yeah. Right. Because purpose changes all throughout all the seasons of life. And so for me, it was like, okay. When I was younger, uh, and I was like, okay, I'm in the technology. I want to go make lots of money. I thought that was my mm-hmm. purpose, right? But as I kind of dug down, what I really love was just helping people. Mm-hmm. That was like I, what I'm super passionate about. And I'm really good at connecting with people and being a connector. And this work was like, oh, my God, it's like a perfect alignment right. of being able to help people, doing something that where I can work on my own self, but also give people ideas and, and ways that they can practice and learn skills that I find very helpful as well. So. I don't know. It, it's a it's a it's a layering process. I don't think it, yeah. but it can be very daunting and intimidating. I think the other thing is what's cool is if you're searching for it, mm-hmm. like that's part of the journey, right. right? It's like part of the journey is feeling uncomfortable and like looking for it and trying to discover whether or not like this feels good or this feels good or I'm on to something like I'm super passionate about this, mm-hmm. but then maybe that passion fades a little and then you're on to something else and that's okay. Like, as Chris said, that's kind of like the seasonal effect. Yeah. It's funny, Laura always said, or we, we talk about purpose a lot because, because of what we teach, but one of the things that's like, I love soccer. I, I was a pretty good soccer player. At least I thought I was, but I wasn't going to change the world or <laughs> make a huge living doing soccer. So mm-hmm. uh, that was just a passion. Yeah. And so it wasn't, that wasn't necessarily going to be my purpose is I was going to change the world through soccer. So those are things that you have to kind of like discover and mm-hmm. realize and like, okay, or you need, you need really good mentors or just confidants that can challenge you and, and help you peel, peel that onion back. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. So I think that's kind of a good place to head towards the wrap up of the show here. But the first thing I want to ask is kind of what, what's the long-term plan? Where do you see this going? Okay. So here's our goal. You ready for it? 
It's going to be a big goal. I can it already is. tell. <laughs> a million people by 2032. A million people. So, okay. So a million so people a million people impacted, going through, a million people that have been through the program. Been through okay. the program. Some element of our program, either live or the team's program. How many so far? Uh, we're in the thousands. We're okay. in the- We're seven and 7,500. A little over 7,500, I'd say. And you guys have been doing this since- uh, 2018. <laughs> started 18. in 20, it's been five years we started, yeah. but really in earnest the last three years. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a big goal. It's it a is. big goal. Where, where do you see that momentum picking up? Where are you hoping to start really building that, that momentum? That it's snowballs. It's, so it's all in our team's program. So yep. the team's program is the, is really the, and I really think it is the magic because it's when an individual leader gets with their team and they've got you know, 15 minutes a week, mm -hmm. they're talking about well-being, they're connecting, they're building these relationships just by being human. Um, it's that happening in lots of different organizations. So it's, it's, it, it's easy to scale. Um, but it's, it's definitely going to be, a, it's going to be a challenge. We also really want to launch our schools program mm -hmm. by, by 2032. So, um, have that going customized for teachers, for students, so that, this, all of these concepts are mm -hmm. shared with the, those, those groups too. Yeah. And I think it's good. Look at what's happening in corporate America right now and look what's happening with cultures and everyone's struggling with just figuring out this whole hybrid mm -hmm. and well-being is very top of mind. Thanks to COVID. It just brought that to the, to the limelight. And we've built a program that's comprehensive. It's easy to implement and roll out. So companies who are trying to struggle to build this themselves or whatever, like we have it, it's all sort of self-contained. So you can scale this across your organization very quickly mm -hmm. uh, in a comprehensive way that's creating community. It's creating more resilient employees. It's creating people who are building stronger relationships across teams, like all of that creating more, culture. more innovation culture. I mean, all mm -hmm. of those things uh, happen through this program and um, we've got lots of case studies to, to show that the results of that. So that's been kind of amazing. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And something I've been thinking a lot about lately in my own life is the, I've been very privileged in my life to be around fantastic leaders, right? All the time, just constantly. And not everybody gets that exposure to people that teach you those things, right? Get up, make your bed, do the right things, have a positive mindset, all those things. Like not everybody gets that. So I think that that is a very, very valuable goal. And I look forward to seeing where it ends up. But uh, so I think that brings us to last couple questions here. So first one, any advice for our listeners out there? And if it helps, our listeners are typically in the Columbus area. They love finding out what's going on with Columbus, might be entrepreneurial minded themselves. And uh, they're typically, typically in the age range of, say, late 20s, early, early to late 20s up through, you know, 50s, 60s. I, first of all, I would just say to Columbus, this is a great place to live. Mm -hmm. uh, it's an amazing city. There's so much out there for everyone. And I just think we all need to just look up because so many people are looking down. They're looking down at their phones. They're not engaged. Like, look up and see the people that are in front of you, see the opportunities that are in front of you, see this beautiful city that continues to evolve. Just look up and uh, be kind to each other. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, be neighborly. Um, and so let's just continue to build this great city and make sure that we're leaving it in a place that, you know, your children's children are going to be proud of. And so I think that's my advice for, for the Columbus listeners. Love it. I guess I would say take care of yourself physically, emotionally, mm -hmm. and mentally. So take care of all aspects of yourself 
it's not selfish to take care of yourself. It actually enables you to show up better and be there for the ones you love. So focus on your well-being. And when you focus on your well-being, you actually give other people permission to do to yeah. do that as well. Little seven habits in there, I think, somewhere in, yeah, that, is in there? that advice. Well, you know, he talks about private victory and making sure you take care of your stuff first so you can be fully available oh, for yeah. everybody else. Sure, so I like oh, oxygen mask. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oxygen mask. Yeah. Take care of your own oxygen yeah. mask first. I Put like yours it. on first. And so that brings us to our last question of the show. It's centered around the theme here on Conquering Columbus, which is live uncomfortably. Uh, so without telling you guys too much about why we chose that particular phrase for a show about entrepreneurs and business leaders around Columbus, what do you think of when you hear it? How does it apply to your lives and careers? And maybe we'll start with Laura. Okay. So what's interesting is one of my favorite quotes is mm -hmm. growth follows discomfort mm -hmm. because you don't build muscle unless you're first sore from building muscle, right? Like anytime you want to grow physically, emotionally, mentally, you have to be uncomfortable. I would tell you that I don't love being uncomfortable, but I'm uncomfortable all the time on purpose. So I believe that that's the key to growing and the key to learning and I love your theme. So good. I love it too. I'm So I'm part of a community, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with, called F3, mm -hmm. uh, which is a peer-led free outdoor workouts for the invigoration of male community leadership. And one of the things that we always talk about is that iron sharpens iron. And uh, we only grow, get better and stronger by challenging ourselves and just doing hard things, uh, whatever that is. And it's going to, you know, it's doing the things that I know I need to do, even though I don't want to do them. And so that's where the real growth comes from. Uh, so it's preparing your mind, right? So Laura talked a little about that in our body each day so that we can be ready uh, for when things get hard. Uh, it's not when things are easy. It's like when things get hard, how are you going to handle it? And mm -hmm. so if we haven't done hard things, it's going to be really hard for you to be resilient and bounce back. And so it's like, how do we make sure we're preparing ourselves? And that means putting yourselves in, in really hard situations, preparing yourself for that. So love it. Yeah. Love it. Well, Chris, Laura, it's been great talking to both of you. Thanks so much for coming on and talking about Positive Foundry and everything you guys have going on. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, thank you so much. It Love fun. it. Yeah. And Conquerors, thanks so much for tuning in. If you want to learn more about Positive Foundry, you can head on over to PositiveFoundry.com. PositiveFoundry.com. And again, thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed that interview, you want to hear more just like it, go ahead and hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast app you are listening on. We release episodes every week on Mondays. And we appreciate all your support. We'll talk to you next week.